Hey everyone, and welcome to Christ Community Church Online. We're so glad that you've tuned in today. I'm Trisha. And I'm Amy, and we're your service house for today. We are so excited to let you know that on the weekend of July 11th, 12th, we will start the first phase of reopening Kid City. That's right. Most of our early childhood rooms will be reopening so the kids can learn about God and get the wiggles out while parents attend a service. So look for more details through your email and on our website in the coming weeks. Just a quick reminder that we'll be having communion next weekend on July 4th and 5th. So those of you who are watching Church Online with us, please prepare some crackers and juice or a variation of the sort, maybe some Oreos and milk, before we get started. We can't wait to partake in communion with you. Amy? Amy? Uh, where, where are you? Amy? Hey, Trisha. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. You, you, it is Amy? It is me. Oh, it okay. It is me, yes. Okay. Lab assistant Amy. Hey, kids, Vacation Bible School is coming up, and that's why I look the way I look. I am working on some really awesome science experiments that you guys do not want to miss. It is going to be fantastic. I cannot wait to see the experiments myself, especially <laughs> with this. I mean, it's going to be amazing. You guys do not want to miss out. And the best part is you can invite as many friends as you want because it's absolutely free. That's right. And you can sign up right online. So make sure to have your parents register you online so you can be a part of this amazing VBS Reimagined. 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 Now, Christ Community Church Online is just about to start. So stand on your feet, put your hands together, and let's worship Jesus. Hey, Christ Community. Welcome to Online Church. My name is Anna, and we're all really excited that you can come and join us online this weekend to worship. Jesus, the name above. 
We're so grateful for this time that we can just sit and bask in the name of Jesus. And God, when we utter that name and when we speak that name, God, beauty, wonder, power, and so many other adjectives that describe that name. And God, when we come together and worship, it's not about us. It's not for us, but it's completely for and about you. But the awesome thing about worship is that when we lift your name high and make it completely about you, we are the ones who are transformed and we are the ones who are changed. So God, that's what we want to happen in this moment, in the worship that we share together and in the message that we're about to hear, God. We want to be transformed. We want to be changed to become more like the precious in the sweet name of Jesus. We love you, Father. In your sweet name we pray. Amen. Welcome back, Online Church. If you're just tuning in now, I'm Trisha. And I'm Amy. Thank you so much for worshiping with us today. First, we just want to thank you for continuing to be faithful with your online giving during this season. God gave his one and only son to us as a gift, and he continues to be generous and loving to us. And since he gave first, we just want you to know that during this time in our service, we're responding to his generosity as we prepare for our gift offering. If you haven't already taken the opportunity and would like to join along with worship throughout giving, there's a give link on your screen or in our Facebook post. We invite you to take this moment during our announcements to give and join with us in our mission of restoring our broken world through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as always, we just want to give a huge thanks for your generosity. If you're new here, thank you so much for tuning in to our online church experience. We are so glad that you're here. Whether you've been with us for years or this is your first time watching us online, we want to give you a warm welcome to our church. If you're interested in getting connected to CCC, we invite you to fill out our online connection card. You can find this by clicking on the connect link on your screen or in the Facebook post. 
or you can even click on our live prayer button and one of our service hosts can get you connected that way too. We're so excited to connect with you. At Christ Community Church, we believe in the power of prayer. If you have anything specific that you want to bring before the Lord or any praises you want to lift up, we would love to stand with you and come alongside you in prayer today. And you can request live prayer on our streaming device and one of our service hosts will pray with you right then and there. Otherwise, you can submit a prayer request too. The prayer page on our website allows you to request one-on-one -on -one prayer where you can sign up to receive a call from one of our prayer partners. We want to continue to partner with you in prayer in any way that we can because we know that the power of prayer is so vital during these uncertain times. Thanks again for tuning in to Christ Community Church Online. Now, here's the message from Daryl. Hey, Christ Community Church, can you believe we are wrapping up the month of June? I hope you're having a great start to your summer. I really appreciate you spending time in worship and learning and our encouragement, participating in our worship services, especially you guys who are wrestling kids every week to make this happen, whether you're worshiping in person or online. Um, as a parent, really two of the most important things that you can do are to let God's Word transform your own life and to make church a regular part of your routine uh, to help your kids grow up in their faith. And so you guys who are making that happen every week, way to go. Um, you have a part in that. God has a part in that. You're doing your part. God's doing his part. Your kids, as they grow up, they've got a part too. They have decisions to make. But if you are regularly participating in church and if you're letting God's word transform your own life, you're doing your part. And so I just wanted to um, cheer you on in that and encourage you in that. Uh, today we're wrapping up our series, uh, Greater Than, and I really hope that this series has been, been enjoyable for you, and more than that, I hope it's been helpful for you as you've thought about priorities that you have in your life. And, and today we're going to be talking about this last thing, it's going to help our personal relationships uh, from Proverbs. But before I read the verse for today, I just want to ask, like, hey, are there any country music fans out there? I mean, are you guys willing to admit that like, country music's my thing? So it is mine. Um, back in 1989, Garth Brooks, who you've heard his name, whether you're a country music person or not, Garth Brooks released a song called If Tomorrow Never Comes. And it is kind of this uh, cheesy, maybe even a little bit creepy song. He talks about um, sometimes late at night, I lie awake and watch her sleeping, which is like, I think that's a little bit creepy. But he's asking himself a question in the song is, does my wife know how much I love her? If tomorrow doesn't come for me, does my wife know how much I love her? And I think it's a great question to ask. And it really, um, it really rubs against that old joke of you know, the wife who asked her husband, hey, do you love me? And he looked at her and said, I told you I loved you at our wedding. And if anything changes, I'll let you know. That's actually not a joke. It's more satire. And it pokes at us, particularly men, and our inability or our unwillingness to express our emotions, how we feel about people, particularly those who are in close relationship with us. And so today what I want to do is I want to talk with you about, about being in relationship with people and about being a person who expresses uh, your love for the people that God has placed in your life. Let me give you the summary of this message. We just um, if we could boil all this down to one sentence. Um, expressing my love breathes life and health into my relationships. It's just something for all of us to own and to know that expressing our love breathes life and health into our relationships. And I'm grabbing this today from Proverbs chapter 27, verse 5. So if you have a Bible, if you want to turn with me, uh, we've got it on the screen for you as well. Um, the wise man, Solomon, writes these words to his son. He's teaching him how to live well. And he says to his son, Better is open rebuke 
than hidden love. And we're in this series, we're talking about what one thing is greater than another in the Bible. And so biblically, um, it's greater, open rebuke is greater than hidden love. Now, I've done some research on what this means, and scholars really take it one of two directions. Uh, there's a group of scholars who say that like these verses are talking about how rebuke is actually part of love. And from the Bible Knowledge Commentary, a love that manifests no rebuke is morally useless. And so that's, that's one direction that this goes. The other direction that this goes is just the idea that it's better to be the object of deserved criticism or deserved correction than the object of unexpressed love. And a quote from a couple of scholars, last names Kyle and Dalich, they're Old Testament scholars from the, I think the 1800s. <laughs> love confined to the heart alone is like a fire, which when it burns secretly, neither lightens nor warms. And the correction, the open rebuke is better because there's value. At least you've learned something. You have a chance to course correct than love that never gets expressed. So I'm sorting through these two options. I think the second option is better. Um, the first option is actually taught in the next verses, Proverbs 27, chapter 6. Um, so they're not wrong by any stretch. But I think just as you're reading this, what it says, better is open rebuke than hidden love. If you just read it, it says that having someone call you out is better than having somebody who loves you never show you that. And so again, thinking that, you know, in Solomon, this proverb is written by a guy named Solomon. He's writing to his son to teach him how to live well. And I was, I was kind of wondering, like, what, where did Solomon learn this? You know, these are wisdom sayings. How did he gain this wisdom in his life? And, and since Solomon is one of the major figures in the Old Testament, we do have major chunks of his and his family's life recorded for us in the Scripture. And and I don't know if what I'm going to point you to here in a minute is the instance where Solomon learned this, but he certainly could have from these circumstances as he watched his dad interact with his half-brother. In 2 Samuel chapter 13 and 14, <clears throat> excuse me, Solomon's half-brother Absalom did some really bad stuff, and then he ran away, and he was gone for three years. And during that three years, his father, King David, the scripture tells us, longed to go to him. He wanted to go see him where he'd run away because he loved him, but he didn't go. And he didn't do anything for three years. And then at the end of that three-year period, David was willing to make arrangements to bring his son back to home, the city where they lived, but in making those arrangements of bringing Absalom back, what David said was he said, he, Absalom, must go to his own house. He must not see my face. And so if you read that story a little farther down, you see that for two years, Absalom wasn't allowed any contact with his father while they were living in the same town. And what that is, that's, that's five years of no conversation, no contact, no relationship between father and son. Solomon watching this and seeing David, his dad, hold his half-brother really at arm's length, never saying anything to correct that really bad behavior that he engaged in all those years ago, never speaking of his love and his desire to be in relationship with his son, just five years of silence between a father and son. And Solomon watching all that and, and saying for his son, hey, it's better, like open rebuke, is better than hidden love. It's like something needs to be said in the framework of the relationship because where that five years ended between David and Absalom, that five years ended in, in Absalom basically entering into a, into a coup or a mutiny and, and trying to chase his dad out of the kingship, started a war against his father and all kind, like just all kinds of nastiness that was produced from that five years where there was no statement of rebuke and no expression of love. And so we get to this idea that an open rebuke is better than hidden love. And yeah, I mean, it's better to just at least be called out and even to be called out in public. I don't know if you've ever been called out in public before. I've been called out in public and I, I hate that. But being called out in public 
would even, I'd rather be called out in private, being called out in public be better than having somebody who loves you just sitting silently and never saying it to you. And so I've been thinking about this proverb and I found myself asking another question of the scriptures. I mean, I'm looking at this language here and it starts out that an open rebuke has value. Hidden love has no value. And I began asking myself the question, okay, is this all this proverb is designed to teach us or might there be something like might there be something next? And I think there's something next for us. If an open rebuke has value and hidden love has no value, here's what kind of value would open, demonstrated, declared love have in a relationship? Like what, what would that do for someone if like what would that do for you if you knew the people that were in your life, like if they were if they were vocal and demonstrative about their love for you, what value would that add to your life? And more importantly, maybe asking the question, what value would would your love openly declared and demonstrated for the people in your life? Like what value would you add to their lives? There's just something about knowing that you are loved. I love what the Apostle Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus. This is, you know, thinking about knowing that we're loved. In Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 17 through 19, he's just letting them know what he prays for them. And he prays this. He says, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. It's just really interesting to me that he wants to make sure that this church that he loves and is shepherding and taking care of, like he wants them to know that they're loved. He wants them to, like he's praying that they would be rooted and established in love and that they would know how much Jesus loves them. Because there's something to knowing how much you are loved. It builds, it builds stability, and it builds hope, and it breathes life, and it breathes health into our relationships when we're aware of how much somebody else loves us. And so what I'd like to do is I'd like to offer you just a few practical things to think about in context of your relationships and in adding value to the people that God has placed in your life by declaring and demonstrating your love for them. And I know this doesn't come natural to a lot of us. A lot of us, it's, it's easier for us just to kind of, they know I love them, and particularly outside of our immediate families. If you got relationships outside of your immediate families, like it's easier just to kind of assume what people think or what people know. But I want to I encourage you, with three things here. The first one is to put love on your prayer list. Um, I really am not a fan of try harder Christianity. I'm not, I'm not telling you to try harder in your relationships. Uh, I'm asking you to put this idea of, of declaring and demonstrating your love for the people in your life on your prayer list to ask God to make you the kind of person to give you what it takes to be the kind of person who can be open about your feelings for other people. So put that love on your prayer list. And then the second thing is to let your roots grow deep into Jesus's love for you. And just picking up wording that the Apostle Paul used there in Ephesians chapter 3, that you'd be rooted and established in love. And I want to share with you that, you know, when you're wondering whether or not God loves you, when you're wondering whether or not you're loved by Jesus, it's really important to look to the cross. And the good news about Jesus that that he came and he lived on this earth and he died on the cross for you and for me, for our sins. That is the greatest demonstration of God's love for us. That's the greatest demonstration of Christ's love for us, that he would be hung on a cross to pay for our sins. He was willing to, come, like, to leave all the privileges and all the glory of being very God and to come and walk on this earth to be human and to die a criminal's death he did that because he loves us. And I think we need to be reminded of how God has demonstrated his love for us because our tendency 
is to look at the circumstances in our life and to look at the circumstances that are going on around us. And, and we all have hard things. And we have them culturally, societally at a new level right now, but personally, a lot of us are fighting through stuff that maybe you've been fighting through for years. And, and because your circumstances are hard and things aren't necessarily changing or heading in the direction that you want them to go, it's easy in those seasons to say, hey, like, does God really love me? Does he care about me? Does he see me? Does he know that I'm engaged in this? Is, is he aware of my suffering? Is he aware of the suffering of these people that I love? And the answer to your question of does God really love me? Am I loved by God? Is, is not the circumstances of our life. It's not whether like your prayers are being answered the way you want them to be answered. The, the real answer to the question, does God really love me, is the cross. That he would give his son to die in our place to fix our sin problem. The answer to does Jesus really love me is the cross, that he would go to that cross and take our sin upon him so that we could have his righteousness in exchange for that. And so to, to regularly preach God's love for you, the depth of God's love for you to yourself, to regularly remind yourself that I am loved by God. There is, there is a a width and a length and a height and a depth to the love of Christ that, that I can never exhaust. And in these verses, that I would know this love that surpasses knowledge. And that's why I'm saying put it on your prayer list and gaze at Jesus on the cross as His demonstration of love for you because there's a piece of this that our minds can't grasp but God can minister to our hearts. To know that you are deeply, completely loved by God. There's something to knowing that you're loved that, that enters into that relationship that you have with God and that will, that will fuel and resource you for expressing, demonstrating your love for the people that God has placed in your life. So the first thing is to put love on your prayer list. The second thing is to let your roots grow deep into Jesus's love for you. And then the third thing is when you love somebody, let them know. It's just when you love somebody, let them know. And, and it's okay, it's good to be the one who goes first. Um, to say I love you before they say I love you. It's when you love somebody, let them know. And I'm not just talking about a romantic relationship. I'm talking about in our everyday, not just family, but in the friendships that we have, maybe in your life group at church, maybe there's a friend at work, like the that you love as a friend and they have no clue because you've been a friend to them but you haven't expressed these words to them. You can't assume that people know. Um, I would just poke you a little bit and say you might not be as good at sharing your love with other people or showing your love with them as you think that you are. You don't assume that they know this. It's okay to tell them. There's a great book by a guy named Gary Chapman. It's called The Five Love Languages. Now, many of you are familiar with it. If you've been in church, you've done marriage work um, through the church discipleship, you've probably come across this book, or at least the concept. I would encourage you to get your hands on that book. You can Google it. It comes up in a million different places. Um, the Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. And he explains how we communicate love. Now, human beings have five basic ways that we communicate love. And the interesting thing about that is, is we speak different love languages. And so I just from a real practical standpoint of communicating love to somebody else, to know what their love language is and, and speak that to them. Speak their language. Because it's like to show your love in ways that communicate love to you, but without ever worrying about how they receive love, that's not loving as much as it is selfish. Just, I'm just going to speak my language and hopefully they can figure it out. So get to know those five love languages and let that be a starting place for you. Um, men, let the other men in your life know that you love them. It is entirely okay for two dudes to look at each other and say, I love you. Um, it, is, it is difficult. It is awkward sometimes. Uh, particularly if you're a person used to saying I love you to another dude and he's not used to hearing that from a guy. Like it could get, there's some great moments that happen in those circumstances. But guys, I would encourage you to get comfortable looking at the other guys in your life, whether it's a father, a brother, a son, a friend, to, look, to be able to look in the eyes of another man and say, I love you. 
Uh, that, is, that is a powerful thing that God has put something in us as men to be able to speak that into and over other men in our lives, builds them up in ways to receive that from another guy, uh, builds you up in ways that you just, if you haven't experienced it, uh, you can't know it. And so men, I would encourage you to be able to look at guys and not the, uh, hey, love you, like, you know, like we're high school girls or I love you, man, like we're in a beer commercial, but just like to be able to look at a guy and just say, hey, I love you. I love you. You're a good friend to me. I'm proud of you. I'm thankful that God has placed you in my life. I love you. Um, I think that's a, that's a powerful thing. I would encourage the men in our church to be willing to say that to the other guys who are part of their lives. I would say, um, for me, knowing the love of my Heavenly Father and and not knowing it fully by any stretch, but knowing the love of my Heavenly Father, knowing the love of my earthly father, and hearing that from my dad regularly, and I know not everybody has that advantage and that experience, but I do. I know the love of my Heavenly Father. I know the love of my earthly father. Um, I know the love of my wife and my kids, two of whom are men. Um, and to have some guys in my life who regularly look at me and say, I love you, and for me to be able to say that back to them, that has just added layers of, of courage and stability and a willingness maybe even to lean into hard things to follow the Lord into places that, that maybe I didn't know I could go. Um, it makes a huge difference to have somebody who's willing to say to you, um, I love you, and let you know that they, that they love you in ways that you can hear and experience. So I started this message the story of a uh, father and a son who, who were silent. There was just evidence of apathy, or at least the appearance of apathy in their relationship with each other. I want to share another story of a father and son, um, Charles and Andy Stanley. If you've been around Christian circles much, you maybe have heard one or both of these names. Charles Stanley is the pastor at First Baptist Church in Atlanta, and Andy, the son, is pastor at North Point Church, which is also in Atlanta. Um, before Andy planted North Point, he worked at his dad's church. He was one of the pastors on staff there at his dad's church. And they had, Andy and Charles had this massive ongoing conflict um, that was related to family issues, which spilled over and became church issues. And Andy describes what goes on there in his book he wrote a few years ago. It's titled Deep and Wide. It's worth reading. Um, he writes a couple of paragraphs that I think are important for what we're talking about today. So I'd like to just share those with you. And he talks about this. So they've had this massive conflict, this thing bubble the surface in their family. And, and he says, for the next two years, my dad and I met together with a counselor every week, sometimes twice a week. And when that season of counseling was up, Charles, the father, started inviting Andy to lunch a lot. And he says, the conversations were stilted, to say the least. We were both so mad and so hurt. But he kept initiating, and I kept showing up. And during one of our awkward lunch dates, he said something that pierced the hardness of my heart and opened the door to the relationship we share today. He said, we both know what usually happens to fathers and sons who go through something like this. And then he paused, and he looked me right in the eye. Andy, I don't want us to end up like that. And it was all I could do, Andy says, to whisper, me neither, Dad. And then when Andy decided it was time to leave his dad's staff and to plant a church that would basically be a church split, he told his dad what he was dreaming about, and his dad responded by announcing at the next church service that Andy was going north of the city to plant a church that was really going to be a church split. And what Charles said to that entire church was that Andy had his blessing. And I love that these men fought for their relationship through counseling. And I love that Charles loved his son enough to keep inviting him to lunch. And I love that Andy loved his dad enough to keep showing up. And they continued to have those stilted and awkward conversations. And I love that through the worst stuff, these guys were willing to, to show and to share their love for each other, and it breathed life and health into their relationships. And so I just go back to this Proverbs chapter 27, verse 5. Better is open rebuke than hidden love, but open love is greater still. And what's easy, because we're talking every week about 
greater than and easier than. What's easier? If this message were about easier, I would tell you it's like they'll just stay silent. Don't like just keep stay reserved. Don't worry if people like they probably know how you feel about them, and even if they don't, like they'll figure it out at some point. Um, but this this series isn't about what's easier than. This series is about what's greater than. It's about what's God's best for us and for the people He's put in our relationships. And what's best is to show and to speak the love that you have for the people that God has placed into your life. Because as you show and speak your love into those relationships, it breathes life and health into them. So I want to pray for us. And then after I pray, I've got some questions for you to reflect on, to discuss with the people that you're watching this message with. So will you please bow your head and close your eyes with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love for us and that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. Jesus, thank you for loving us to the point of death on a cross, that you were willing to take our sins on you so that we could have your righteousness placed on us. I pray that we would be rooted and grounded in that love and that it would, like it would fill us up to overflowing. And so that that your love for us would flow out of our lives into the lives of the people who are around us. And because you've loved us, we can say, Lord Jesus, we love you too. And so we pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, so let me ask you a few questions here. I think these will be good for you to discuss. The first is, um, how do you feel when someone says, I love you, to you? And think about different relationships where not just, you know, like your mom said it or your dad said it or your spouse says it or your, you know, like, or your kids. But like, how do you feel when somebody maybe that's not in that immediate circle says, I love you to you? And then how comfortable are you with saying, I love you to other people? And you might need to examine that in your immediate relationships, but certainly beyond that, um, I'm asking you guys particularly, how comfortable are you expressing your love for some of the other men in your life? Second question, what do you think about looking to the cross when you're considering God's love for you? And I'm asking that because a lot of us look at other things. And so just, you know, what's your tendency? What do you think about that being um, the right answer for God's love for you? Third question, do you see a connection between knowing you are loved and being good at expressing love for others? And, you know, just to, just to think about that in your own life. Fourth question, um, look at those five love languages. So this one requires a little bit of homework. Look at the five love languages. Um, what are your love languages? And how fluent are you in the ones that aren't yours? How fluent are you in those other love languages? And then the final question, um, who needs to hear that you love them? And maybe add on to that, um, when are you going to tell them? So I think this, I think this message, um, this idea of us sharing our love with the people around us is going to have, it's going to make a drastic difference in our lives and in the lives of the people around us. So I'm very excited uh, where this is going to go for you and for the people you love. God bless you guys. Have a great weekend. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us online today. If you know of any needs in our church or in our community, please let us know because we want to help. You can do this by contacting the church office or by going to our service opportunity tool on our website. We'll work with you to figure out how CCC can help. Thank you for choosing Christ Community Online for your church experience today. See you next time. See ya!